with Ryan Reese from Southern California. This is Live with Ryan Reese. Call now, 1-888-564-6173. Or post your questions using the hashtag LiveRyanReese on his Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook. All right, I promised you guys a show, too, with Stephen Bancars. We have him in studio right now. He has his new book out, The Second Coming of the New Age. Get it. It's bomb. And we're going to talk about some um, some of the chapters today in studio. But, Steve, last show we talked about your testimony, mm-hmm. and it's always good, and it's always switched up a little bit. But um, no, I know the New Age movement is uh, it's a growing thing. And it's packaged a little bit different. And um, I've seen it as I travel around. I'm in Hollywood, um, you know, in the music industry from uh, any kind of music festival. I, I actually toured to all different music festivals. That's mm-hmm. kind of, I just want to be with like people that don't believe in God. I just have this heart for evangelism. Yeah. And I, I always pray, I'm like, God, open a door when I go to these music festivals. And it's so awesome because I'll be hanging out and all of a sudden someone will walk up and be like, Hey, um, I recognize you. I seen you on YouTube, and you were interviewing some, you know, some musician that they that I had on the show, or, or, uh, you know, actually, I didn't tell you this. Um, I did get uh, recognized on YouTube from being on a show with you as well. Oh, cool! So people come up and they have these questions, and it's yeah. just they'll 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 find the YouTube channel from just like another show that was played or whatever. But I always pray when I go to these music festivals that God will open up a door, and I could be in a, a music festival with one hundred fifty thousand people, and then God will just open up one door or sometimes I'll go and I'll talk to like nine different people and it's always these different conversations of people that are searching for God or they've given their life to God but they never grew to that next level where they're still caught up in you know sin or witchcraft or whatever it is so God uses me just for these little nuggets to be like well okay so you gave your life to God but you're still struggling like one girl had like demonic still still happening in her room so I got to actually pray for her and say okay look at this is what we're going to do you need to go home you need to get rid of if you have any books to like you know supernatural films you know Harry Potter uh, stuff anything that ties yourself to witchcraft music you're listening to mm-hmm. go home get that stuff get rid of it get anointing oil I don't care if you even have cooking oil whatever it is just put the oil on the walls and just pray and say, this is the house of the Lord. Holy Spirit, fill this place. Push out anything that is not of you, any darkness, and flood this thing with your spirit, the Holy Spirit. And pray over your kids. And I prayed for her too. And basically what happened is a couple weeks later, she ended up uh, DMing me and saying that she's had no more supernatural things happening in a room. And it's just awesome because God opens these doors. And I know that you do a lot of traveling and you're obviously your ministry has to do with new age and the occult and stuff. But I think it'd be awesome for this show to kind of talk about your travels, like what you're up to right now. You obviously have a book out. Mm -hmm. Talk a little bit about your book. I know you've been doing like some um, travels, endorsing the book, right? doing shows, talking to people. Talk about all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. What you said was interesting. You talked about how it's everywhere, basically. You see it in the music industry. You see it in Hollywood. And um, that's really what inspired uh, me and the co-author to to write this book, was that um, you know we both came out of the New Age movement. I care. It came out of the New Age movement. We talked about that last week on the program. And um, I'm looking around, and I'm seeing how pervasive it is. If you look at statistics, for example, um, yoga is a $10 billion industry. 36 million Americans currently practice yoga. A study from the Pew Research Center found that about 40% of Americans say they meditate at least once a week. Um, you have the psychic services industry. Okay, wait, hold on. I, w- I want to knock one thing out of time. Let's talk about yoga. Okay. Yoga is massive. Yes. 
Let's hit on yoga. Tell us about it. Okay, so yoga, the word yoga means union, and it's referring to a union between the personal self, the Atman, as it's called in Hinduism, and Brahman, the impersonal force that undergirds the universe and makes up all things in the universe, the substance of all things. It's an impersonal force, an impersonal God they call Brahman. And all is Brahman. Brahman is all. And to reach that state of union between the personal self and that impersonal universal self, that state of union, that is what yoga is meant to facilitate. So the whole goal of yoga is to bring the personal self into an understanding that he is ultimately divine by nature, that he is ultimately Brahman. That is the goal of yoga, and that's why even Webster's Dictionary defines it as a Hindu theistic practice. And you have the um, the Hindu Association of America that is furious with what's going on in the West, where you have these, you know, it's like a Starbucks yoga pant type culture where they're going to <laughs> yoga. Uh, I see yoga pants everywhere here in Orange County. Right. It's it's exactly that. No, yoga pants are cool. Girls can yeah. wear yoga pants. No, but the, but it's funny. The Starbucks and yoga, I don't know. I just got right. this like, what's yeah, happening? Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. <laughs> yeah, but, but, but the point is, is that people, I should maybe shouldn't have said that, but the point is, is that people are unaware of what they're actually doing, yes. what the spiritual roots are, and what the ramifications of it are. So if the whole goal of yoga is for me to realize my own self-divinity, the goal is not to be more fit. The goal is not to be more relaxed. The goal is not to be more stretched out and more agile. Mm-hmm. The goal is psycho-spiritual. And we document in chapter 10 of our book everything people would need to know about yoga, but I'm just going to cover a little bit of it. So right. there's some postures in yoga that are named after Hindu deities. And when you hold them, they're meant to invoke the properties and the essences of those, of those gods. That's sketchy. And some of the hand postures as well, they're meant to draw in the energies of these deities. Right. Um, and so, and once again, you're holding these postures to revere these deities and invoke their energies so that you can take a step closer to realizing your own deity and your own divinity. So it's idolatry as a means to more idolatry. The warm-up posture in yoga is a sun salutation, right? People often don't know that. Mm -hmm. And so how do we understand sun worship and earth worship in the Bible? Read Romans 1. There's a direct, God says people who worship the creation rather than the creator end up getting involved in all kinds of horrible sin because it's a, it's, a, it's a really big sign of depravity, of, of depravity in God's eyes of when we start revering the stars or uh, the earth more than we do him. And if I'm holding postures that are meant to revere and worship the moon or the sun, and I'm holding these postures that are meant to uh, revere and invoke deities right. from a Hindu pantheon, um, that's pretty concerning. And so... So I got a question. Yeah. Um, so there's different kinds of yoga. I've seen like so. There's one yoga where people are actually meditating and they're doing holding these postures. Yeah. And then I've seen another yoga where there's like a, it's like um, uh, sports sports yoga. Yeah. So, are they all this I equal? Would, I would say this. Well, don't they're not all equal. So there's varying degrees of danger depending on the set and setting, and the, depending on the teacher. All these things will contribute to us being more and more pushed outside of God's grace mm-hmm. and the protective covering of God. So, for example, if I'm a Christian, I'm going to a yoga studio. Mm-hmm. You got some some man or woman in there telling me about, you know, tap into your, right. your inner, the universe is with you, tap into your inner goddess, your inner God, 
and you know we're going to call now on the energies of the universe and the energies of the ancestors. Run for the hills. Right, exactly. (laughs) And they got, because normally yoga studios, they'll have idols up in the room. They'll have photographs of like different gurus and people who they're trying to venerate. Right. Um, You'll have music that's meant to induce a different psycho-spiritual state, different tones. Sometimes they'll do chanting. Okay. Chanting, singing songs to Shiva and so forth. Like, so a yoga studio where you're in that environment and you're chanting, you're 100% going to have a spiritual consequence after one class versus if I'm part of like some sports specific like training sports program. sports yoga or some art. That's, that's different. I would still yeah. say as a matter of conscience, no. Yeah. Because there, it's still intrinsically spiritual and the things that you're doing. So if they're advertising it as yoga. I, yeah. I would want to stay away right. because I don't That's know what's going to be mi- mixed in with that. I can just do backstretching. I can just, yeah. you know, studies have come out found and found that types of backstretches you can get from like a chiropractor, they're just as effective at alleviating back pain per se and having physiological benefits as yoga. Right. So see, cause it's, you don't want to mess with it because, because the way it was, what it was focused on yoga, where it comes from. It's like you're messing with fire. Well, well it's like this. It's like, imagine a Hindu walks into a church and says, I'm going to get baptized today, but not because I want to repent and give my life to Christ. I just want to have a bath. So I'm going to just get baptized. I'm going to pretend it's not intrinsically spiritual. I'm just going to get, I'm just going to get baptized or, or a Buddhist decides I'm going to start eating communion, right? Mm-hmm. Just because yeah. I, I, like, I like how it tastes. Right. I like the snack part of it. I'm going to pretend that there's not a spiritual element. Well, what does the Bible say about those who take communion without discerning the body of the Lord? Right. That's, a, 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 that's a sin. It's a mm-hmm. big sin to God. What happens when we're doing things, we're putting ourselves in positions where there's practices that are intrinsically pagan, pagan environments, pagan teachers, and God tells us to come ye separate from the world and touch no unclean thing, then I will receive you in 1 Corinthians 6. And to not be unequally yoked with unbelievers, it tells us in 1 Corinthians 10.20, what pagans offer unto idols, they offer unto demons. And you can't sit at the table of the Lord and the table of demons. Yeah. You can't drink of the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons. Are we going to provoke the Lord to jealousy? So what there I, it is right there. Yeah, what I tell, yeah, exactly. You can't mix. Here's another, here's, here's another thing. Well, can't we do Christian yoga? Well, if you read, I think it's in Exodus, an interesting verse. God tells his people, when you go in there to dispossess these people, don't inquire with them about how they serve God, their, their gods, and don't say to yourselves, we want to learn how they serve their gods, that we may serve Yahweh in the same way. Mm. Don't serve me in the way that they're serving their right. gods, right? Here's the way I want to receive worship, right? Jesus says the Father is looking for people who will worship him in spirit and in truth, and God gets to define those parameters, not us, right? What about the sons of Aaron? offering unauthorized fire yeah, unto the Lord, fire, yep. strange fire unto the mm-hmm. Lord. They were both killed immediately. Mm-hmm. And um, that's that's a big deal to God. So I, I, I like to talk about it as being the sin of presumption. You're, uh, you're testing the Lord. You're assuming that I can do this. I can Christianize this and trust that God's going to protect, protect me because he knows my heart. That's not biblical, yeah. right? The Bible says this, God will not be mocked. Whoever sows to the flesh will reap from the flesh destruction. Galatians 5 tells us what the works of the flesh are. Sorcery and idolatry are works of the flesh. So if I'm putting myself, if I'm involved in a practice that biblically falls under the category of idolatry or sorcery, the Bible says I'm going to reap, I'm going to reap from that because God's not a respecter of persons. Um, he, the problem is he does know our hearts and our hearts are selfish and wicked. Yeah. That's, the whole, that's the whole problem, <laughs> yep. right? So we need to look at the word of God 
study these practices, and like I said, chapter 10 really goes into this, and ask ourselves, is this the kind of thing Jesus Christ himself would do? Is this the kind of thing the Apostle Paul himself would do? Is this something that I should be doing as a Christian, knowing that it has spiritual ties, what these postures mean, knowing some of what the effects of these practices are, such as the Kundalini effect, where it awakens this spiritual energy in your body that starts at your spine, travels up through your chakras, People are struggling online with the kundalini effect. They have headaches. They have um, back pain. They're having nightmares, sleep paralysis just from practicing yoga. People are feeling possessed after practicing yoga. They start losing their minds after practicing yoga because a lot of yoga practice too is meditative. Right. And like we and talked, we talked about, about that in the last show, yep. show, there's all kinds of demonic and psychoemotional dangers. Well, to you're doing postures to, to demons. Exactly. Okay, so let's here because there's I love talking to you. You always have so much information. So we're going to dissect this. First of all, here's a visual. So when we give our life to God, listeners, we have the Holy Spirit inside of us. So it's, he's in our house. We're the temple of the Lord it talks about. So our, our house, our body is the temple of the Lord or our house it has the Spirit of God inside of us. Now, that means that Jesus is inside of us, right? So if we're doing these postures, Jesus is inside. Jesus is with us. We, we have Jesus in us. So would he be down for that? So would you allow this demonic activity to come into your house? And if you knew that Jesus was posted up in your house, that's basically what's happening. And you, when you visualize that, that really helps you to even stop watching pornography. If Jesus is inside of you and you're posted up on your couch and Jesus is next to you, you're just going to throw on a porn film. Right. It's the same concept. Yeah. So you got to look into these things. And let's talk about the Kundalini spirit. Because mm-hmm. I've, I've seen some stuff on YouTube. Um, you know, I know there's a lot of fake stuff up there. But there's, there's have you ever seen uh, videos where there's like these, some of these um, uh, preachers or evangelists or mm-hmm. I don't know what they are, but mm-hmm. they're, 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 they're having these experiences and people are saying, well, it's a Kundalini um, spirit. Yeah. So what, 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 what have you learned from your research of some of this stuff happening? Oh, that's good. Okay, great. Um, a lot of the David's sim- excited about this one. A, a lot of the <laughs> symptoms people will experience in certain hyper-charismatic circles, mm. there's charismatic circles, which I, in my opinion are fine. Mm. There's a difference between being charismatic and going off the deep end spiritually. Mm. And I think where that shift takes place is when I start desiring the supernatural more than Jesus. Mm. And I start using the name of Jesus as a mantra and as a springboard to get to what my real Lord and Savior and God is, namely the supernatural realm. Right. Supernatural experience. That's my God now. So we're going to yell out the name of Jesus. We're going to take certain verses from the Bible here and there to try to facilitate an experience that I value more than Jesus himself. Yeah. Right. And how how do we know that we value Jesus as an end in himself? Our obedience to him. Discipleship. Right. And some of these churches, there's people, they're just looking for the next impartation. Mm -hmm. They're just looking, they're just looking for the next prophetic word. Yeah. Yeah. They're just looking for the next, the the fresh fire, fresh oil, fresh wine. Yeah. uh, All this, what substance can I get next from God? Am I chasing a substance or am I chasing a person? Because what happens was, so here, so the Bible says this, the Bible says, well, people will say, oh, well, Jesus says whoever asks for the Holy Spirit, you know, he, if we ask for a, a, a fish, he's not going to give us a serpent. We ask for an egg, he's not going to give us a stone. If we ask in his name, how, you know, you give good gifts. And if I'm, how much better is God than us? He's going to give the Holy Spirit to those who ask. So I'm just going to, I'm going to ask for anything. That's if you're sincerely asking the Father for just the Holy Spirit. Mm. A lot of people aren't actually asking God for anything. They're using the name of God in vain to get something that isn't just God. 
They want God plus. And they, they aren't content with the Trinity, right? They want the next thing. It's just like people in the world, they want the next drug. People are like, They just want the experience. Right. And now, yeah. now don't get me wrong. Yeah. I want the experience. Yeah. Moses says, show me your glory, Yeah, right? The Bible says, be filled with the spirit. I think a lot of people's walks with God starts to go sideways when we get content, when we're spiritually satisfied, when there's more of God, there's more of his goodness, there's mm-hmm. more of his presence, but is it just God we want, right? Mm-hmm. However that will look. What if it means that we're in a bit of a spiritual dry season as he's developing our character right. and shaping us and molding us. But what you happen to have is you have people, I'm going to name a few names because their ministries are already so tarnished by the reputations. One guy would be Todd Bentley, for example. Yeah. Oh um, yeah. That's, that's, that's one of the guys. Right. Exactly. And everything is about revival. Everything's about come here for the healing, come here for the impartation, fresh fire, global fire ministries. And I was involved in this. I sat under a few teachers I know I shouldn't have been sitting under who had weird relationships to angels, talking about invoking angels, partnering with oh, angels. Oh, yeah, we got to talk about that next. Yeah, and, and I was like, uh, they, they're carrying something. There's a real presence there. I want to know what they're carrying. God's telling me, no, stay away. Mm-hmm. I'm like, but there's a presence there and there's power there. I want to know what it is. So I sat under that and I yoked myself up to these teachers right? And your heart posture toward them, part of that is your protective covering, right? If I start seeing this man as an authority over me and start receiving what he's saying as being an authority over me, that's kind of like calling him father, mm-hmm. right? I need to make sure God and God alone is my right. authority. He's mm-hmm. what I'm receiving from primarily. But what happens is these teachers claim to have all this special wisdom, all this special knowledge directly from angels, directly from dreams and visions. And now they are the mediator, between me and the next step in my relationship with God. Yep. I need to go to them. They have the answers. I need to go to their meeting and get impartation, mm-hmm. right? I need the baptism of fire from this guy or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. I've seen that. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so- what- and, You know, it's funny because what you were talking about a couple minutes earlier is you were saying that, you know, how people are just going from one event to another. It's like people live from one of my, I had one of my friends uh, talking about this. He was saying, yeah. And he was actually telling the crowd as he was speaking, he was like, oh, we were at a conference, you know, a Holy Spirit conference. And he was just like, some of you guys are here. You don't even read the Bible. You're just living from conference to conference, from, from experience to experience. And there's no relationship. You're looking for that next word. You're looking for that next vision. You're looking for that next guy to pray for. You know what I mean? But there's nothing in between. Exactly. You're just chasing that. Yeah, exactly. And and I, for one, I do love Holy Spirit conferences. I love I'm, conferences. I'm there too. But yeah. we also have a serious relationship with God that we're reading. We're looking for God to speak to us individually exactly. through his word. Exactly. Not living from just experience. I love the experience too, but I don't live from experience to experience. Exactly. What happens when this happens? What happens if you're living from experience alone? And then you're in a dry season because the spirit of God's been grieved in your life. Mm-hmm. And now his presence isn't dwelling as richly upon you as it was when you were on that spiritual high mountaintop experience at the conference. What's really the substance of your faith? Yeah. Right? When things get tough, because if it's just sensationalism, it's just emotionalism, it's just if it's just encounter, which ultimately it's going to be an encounter, it's the indwelling presence yeah. of God. Right. But if it's just that Right? We need to get into the trenches with God when things are tough. We need to sometimes you and, and, and act our will, grit our teeth to overcome certain sin in our life. Right, We need to develop that kind of, I want to say, militant relationship against sin mm-hmm. and devotion to Christ. Right, And that takes – it's hard spiritual work sometimes. 
right? But people don't have that understanding of discipleship, right? They think it's just going to be, I'm just going to live forever encouraged, forever spiritually high. Okay, life hits. Now what do you have left? Because now that one-liner is not enough to get you through. Mm -hmm. Now that fresh fire conference isn't enough to get you through. And you haven't been in the word of God yourself, developing a relationship with God in the secret place Mm -hmm. to really know God, what's the next turn? God, where's your spirit here? Where's your voice here, right? And so when it comes to these things, I was listening to these ministers, right? And I'm like, okay, there's a presence, there's a power here. I'm, pr- I'm, I'm, I'm pressing in. I'm praying for an hour at a time out loud. I'm like, I want what they have. God, if you have this, I receive this. More of your glory, more of your presence, angels, whatever. And <laughs> I was like, I was suspect about that, but I was like, okay. yeah, no, yeah, yeah. You're like, okay, if this is you, God, I want it all. I want it all. Yeah. So I'm, I'm asking for it all. And what ended up happening was I started to have anxiety on the presence of my chest. Like I was, I was about to have a panic attack all day, every day. I started to see every, everything had an orange hue to it. This hmm. was this year, hmm. early this year. Everything had an orange hue to it. Um, I, there was one time where I felt like I was in a waking lucid dream, literally. And I was like, this is so crazy. And I'm, I'm, I'm praying. I'm listening to worship music. I'm listening to weird worship music that I think stirs up that thing in me. Mm-hmm. You understand? It's not bringing me closer to Christ. It's stirring up something I'm looking for in the name of Christ. And it reached a point where, yeah, the orange hue, it was giving me anxiety. I couldn't hear from God. I couldn't get to God. I had this anxiety in my chest. I looked up all these symptoms, and these were symptoms of uh, a kundalini awakening. Hmm. And um, this is what a lot of people claim is going on in certain hyper-charismatic circles of the churches where there's a lot of behaviors that mimic uh, kundalini awakenings coming from uh, Hinduism and Eastern religions where there's this belief that we each have this dormant kundalini energy lying at the base of our spine and that a kundalini awakening happens when all your chakras are cleansed and line up and allow universal energy to flow through you and that awakens this kundalini serpent through your chakras Mm -hmm. which crawls up your spine and illuminates, opens your pineal gland chakra, your third eye, Mm -hmm. and that gives you extra spiritual insight now into the spirit world that awakens your psychic ability, awakens your spiritual ability and that's common in yoga Mm-hmm. Kundalini awakenings—that's a goal in the New Age movement, right. and so that's a so. Goal. How does that happen with these these guys? So so people are showing up to these conferences or these mm. these, these charismatic churches, mm. and they're they're going after what's not necessarily God. They're going after this. That's right. They are absolutely. So you're opening your you're basically opening yourself to the it, demonic realm. You're, you're opening yourself up to imitating spirits imitating who are them. they're mimicking the Holy Spirit. Right. They're mimicking because the, the angel or God Satan can manifest as the angel of light. Satan right? can manifest as an angel of light. And people right. have to realize not everyone who bears the name of Jesus is A, saved. We know that from scripture. Yeah, because we were talking about the last show, you know, you said Lord, we were going to show up on that day, say, I casted out demons, I did all this stuff. He says, get away from me, you, you uh, right. workers of iniquity. That's right. So not everyone who names the name of Jesus is even saved. Yeah. And, and God will move in your life in spite of them not being saved, Right. So people think just because I received from his hand, wow, he must be a spiritual authority. Mm. No, those people were casting out demons. They were preaching. These people, God, for the good of his church, will move in your heart despite the pastor yeah. being unsaved, yeah. being off. Mm. And people need to understand yep. that. And people Because God's the one that does it, not them. That's right. And people also need to understand this. Just because someone might actually be saved doesn't mean that they are, A, spiritually trustworthy to lead me, mm-hmm. B, qualified to lead me or C, demon free. 
Mm. Now, I want to give a, a scriptural example of this. Paul talks about uh, to the church in Corinth. Mm. He calls them brothers. He affirms them as being brothers. He's like, you've got all kind of sexual sin in your church. Whoever did this one thing where he slept with his father's wife, get him out of there. Yeah. Don't have any fellowship with that guy. Turn this yeah. guy over to Satan. Mm-hmm. Um, but you guys, like, just clean up your act. And he talks about their, their spiritual perversion as well. Their misuse of the gift of tongues in a corporate setting. They don't have any accountability for the gift of prophecy in a corporate setting. There's no, he's like, when, when you're using prophecy, like, get it together, guys. Have another prophet over here, another guy with the gift of prophecy over here. Stand by and test what he's, what he's saying mm-hmm. against the word of God to see if it's really from the Lord. And then he says this. Um, the same chapter where he says Satan masquerades himself as an angel of light. He's rebuking the church in Corinth whom he calls brothers. And he says, if, you re- if, if someone comes to you preaching a gospel other than the gospel you received from us or bringing a spirit other than the spirit you received from us, you put up with it. He's basically saying, why do you put up with another spirit? Mm-hmm. You brothers. Right? And so you have these Christians who are going to these conferences. Some of these Christians are even on the stage and they're bringing another spirit. Right, because you can be you can be saved and still oppressed. Yeah, just like I can be yep. saved and be oppressed by a spirit of lust yep. or a spirit of anger. Guess what? You can be saved and be oppressed by a spirit of the imitation Holy Spirit, mm-hmm. because you have some sin of divination or sorcery in your life, where you're inviting angels, or some sin of idolatry in your life, where your desire for making Jesus Lord is usurped by your desor- the desire to have some kind of spiritual power mm-hmm. or spiritual ability that you can flash before people. Now other spirits are creeping in because you're not really after Jesus, you're after something else. And there's a principality over that something else. It's, uh, in Ephesians, Paul talks about don't let Satan get a foothold through anger. And that's in the New Living Translation, but it's, he's talking about these footholds. These That's right. strongholds. That's right. So as a believer, there could be these foot. It's, it's what we allow into our life. Like if you're, you know, because you're talking about a lot of heavy stuff right now, just for the listeners. Like if you're, if you're a Christian and you're watching porn every night, Satan has, you're being oppressed. You're being oppressed by, dude, pornography and that, that is demonic. Yeah. I could tell you that right now. It is demonic. And you're allowing Satan to have this foothold and you're being oppressed. I was talking to a kid. Uh, I talked about this on a previous show, but he was getting suicidal. He wanted to kill his parents and the whole thing. Well, it turns out he was into pornography and all the stuff. And why would he? He was a Christian kid. He grew up in the church. But all of a sudden now he wants to kill himself and he wants to kill his parents. Well, when we looked into it, he was heavily into pornography. Mm. Why well, pray? He, he came in depressed. I prayed with him, laid my hands on him right there. And I asked God to just touch his life and heal him and fill him with the spirit. And literally his countenance changed instantly. Amen. He repented. Amen. And now he's doing great. That's right. He was literally running around the place having a great time after. And this kid was, they didn't want to leave his house before. That's right. Praise so, God. So yeah, that's, you can be oppressed big time. Not possessed, mm-hmm. but you can be oppressed. That's right. Bible says, purify your hearts, you double-minded. Yeah. So having an impure heart, having impure motives or yep. intentions in our walk with God where we want to have Jesus plus sin, where we, we, where we want to have Jesus, but I also want all this cool, like, I don't know, f- fire stuff, like this yeah. weird Christian stuff that's not really Christian. It's more like um, magic. It's more like Jesus magicianship. Um, mystic, w- mystic stuff. Yeah, Christian yeah. mystic stuff. I don't know, uh, John Crowder, I think, is another guy who, token the Holy Ghost. Oh, my gosh, dude, that guy, yeah. Yeah, yeah, so... I- Mm-hmm. There, I, I want I want this weird version of Christianity. I don't want just Jesus and the and the Bible and my walk with Him. I want something else, right? So that's impure in our intentions. It's divided, right? Because it's like strange fire. All, it's like all this attention on yourself, right? That's right. Yeah, it's about you and it's about your supernatural experience that you can receive from God. It's not about how can I please the Lord's heart. 
It's not how can I know him more and be known by him more. It's what can I use his name to get from him right now. And just like we can have physical sins, psychological sins, we can have spiritual sins. And that's precisely the area I came out of. And that's why I can walk into a church. I can tell when there's another spirit there. Mm-hmm. When there's a minister preaching, I can tell what spirit he's under if there's something else going on there. Mm-hmm. And that's because I just came out of it. I came it. out of it. I've seen, I've felt a lot of spirits, right? And so purify your hearts, you double-minded. And a double-minded man, he's unstable in all his ways. So all it takes a lot for people to get right back on their walk with God, they don't realize how much just allowing that little bit of sin and being complacent with that will cause everything else in them to be unstable because now they're in a double-minded state. Right? Okay, hold that thought. This show is epic. We got a minute till the break. I want to plug a couple things, and then we're going to go back to that strange fire. We're going to talk about angels and all kinds of other stuff. So check it out. To hear more, to get the book, The Second Coming of the New Age by Stephen Bancars. Get it, Barnes and Noble, and where else? Amazon. And you're on you're on Instagram, and and uh, you have your website and all that stuff. Yeah. But uh, it's a big fat book, a lot of chapters. It's I just got my copy signed. It's on and cracking. I'm gonna start reading it. You know, I always love when you're on the show. It's always epic. The content is always amazing. I'm getting really fired up on the show because I've been wanting to talk to someone about this, and I didn't even know you came out of that that yeah. whole scene. All right, so- this show is lit right now. We've been talking about all kinds of crazy stuff. We've been talking about the kundalini spirit some of you guys have seen that stuff uh on uh youtube what's happening in uh a lot of the uh really uh crazy charismatic movement um and i'm not talking trash on the charismatic movement but there is a wild side there's a wild side to all different kinds of christianity and right now we're just um steven Bancars. he he came out of that um movement uh out of new age he has a book called the second coming of the new age so really quick, go to thewhosoevers.com, uh, download the Whosoever's app. We got all the past radio shows. Oh, we're at the break. All right, I'll see you guys in two minutes. More live with Ryan Race coming up. Everything all right? Sure. Call now, 1-888-564-6173. Or post your questions using the hashtag LiveRyanReese on his Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook. Uh, I think I speak for the entire administration when I say whoop de doo now, back to live with Ryan Reese. Don't say what I warn you. Loud noises! Talk to someone about this, and I didn't even know you came out of that, that yeah. whole scene. All right, so, this show is lit right now. We've been talking about all kinds of crazy stuff. We've been talking about the Kundalini spirit. Some of you guys have seen that stuff uh, on uh, YouTube, what's happening in uh, a lot of the uh, really uh, crazy charismatic movement. Um, and I'm not talking trash on the charismatic movement, but there is a wild side. There's a wild side to all different kinds of Christianity. And right now we're just, um, Steven Bancars. He, he came out of that, um, movement, uh, out of new age. He has a book called the second coming of the new age. Um, here's a, since this is a video, you can see it right here. Zoom in, get it going. But before we went to the break, Stephen, we were talking about uh, the strange fire. And, uh, you know, you, you said you've been at these events and you're seeing the difference between people that want God and the, the Holy Spirit filling them and coming upon them. And that's that's an amazing, that's biblical versus what's not biblical, what you've been, what you've been seeing. Right. Um, when I first got saved, I was in a, a Pentecostal church, mm. um, Pentecostal Assemblies of Canada Church, where you can't even become a lead pastor, an ordained pastor, unless you can evidence that you speak in tongues. doesn't mean they think that you can't be saved unless you speak in tongues, but in order to be pastor. a pastor. So 
the the church there, I'm telling you, the amount of times I encountered God, the pastor at that church, his heart for God, just pure Jesus, pure Jesus. So yeah. I was so blessed. The amount of altar calls, the amount of times I had people lay hands on me to, to pray for me yeah. for breakthrough, the amount of times I encountered God there. I'm telling you, man, I encountered God in that church. And so when I got when when I started to travel more and I started to explore other areas of Christianity, my test, I, I had encountered God so many times. I knew when it was God in a corporate setting and when it was something else mixed in there, another spirit present, when it was another spirit masquerading as God. And it's like, mm, that's not the Lord. There's something, that's not the Lord. There's mm-hmm. something else there. Mm-hmm. And, um, it's important for people to get alone with God and develop their own relationship with Him so that they, so that they have, as it says in Hebrews, their senses trained to discern good from evil. So when they go into the church, their pastor's not doing the discerning for them. They have their own relationship with God. They have their own discernment. Now, the question is, well, how do you, how do you tell? For me personally, I don't believe we need anything more than the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, Yep. right? Everything that, and I believe that everything that God wants to make available to me, I believe he will make it available to me, available to me in his timing as I press up, press into intimacy with him. Now, there's varying degrees of intimacy. I can be closer to God or I can be farther away from God. If I'm closer to God, there's going to be more of his presence, his manifest presence, his power, his manifest power present in me and upon me. And that's what I want. Yes. But what, what's going on in, circles that concern me is every service, every conference, it's an impartation fest where it's not just Father, Son, Holy Spirit. What what new substance can you receive from this man who apparently has power from God to give you a substance, whether that substance is um, fire, whether it's oil, they'll talk about, um, impartation for angelic encounter, impartation for spirit travel impartation I've heard, I've heard impartation that. to navigate the ascension realms or the glory realms and what happened was is like you said I, I did come out of this because I was like I want to explore this and, and I'm stubborn yeah. so God's telling me no but I'm like okay here I thought I'll just go through it if it ends up not being God I'll just cast the demon out of myself I'll be good yeah. it almost dude it shipwrecked me for I was carrying symptoms for about a week and a half two weeks until I fell at the feet of the Lord again and cried again and was like god i repent for idolatry i just want you and i was listening to this really old yeah because you're not seeking god you're seeking all this other stuff yes i'm using his name as a spring i'm prostituting the name of jesus right to get what i really want which is not him it's something for my own spiritual satisfaction i want to feel empowered i want to feel like i have these supernatural abilities yeah right Mm -hmm. and i want to feel like when i lay my hands on people people go "Ooh," you know i want to be a spiritual authority to them yeah Right, and it's idolatry. That's what you see on stage. Right, it's yeah. idolatry. It's self idolatry. Um, it taps into sorcery at times, I believe, as well. And so I listened to a really old Hillsong song that they wrote back in like 2010, mm-hmm. and it was like it was just this purity of spirit that was there. And I listened to it, and it was just such a simple worship song where the spirit of the Lord is. There's freedom, and I was like, that's it. I just need the Lord. I just need the Lord and His Spirit. It's like God. I'm sorry, I haven't been pursuing you. And a good, a good litmus test for whether or not we should be sitting under somebody is what is their opinion on discipleship? How much do they emphasize discipleship, growing in holiness, growing in righteousness, growing in our knowledge of God, our knowledge and understanding of the word of God? Or is it um, like some of these 
preachers that we talked about, like Todd Bentley, for example, every single service is fresh fire, fresh anointing. There's going to be mantles falling on people. Everyone's like, oh, that sounds interesting. <laughs> well, guess what? You're you're an idolater. Just It's just like me wanting to go to a New Age festival and hearing that there's this spirit that's going to be there and we're going to have a um, an angel invocation session. And so what happened was, is I got out of we, this We're going to talk about angels after, about, uh, about that whole thing. Okay, we'll go into angels and we can go to angels now. Okay. Yeah. So, so yeah. tell us about this. This angel. What? It, what is this stuff? Yeah. So, first of all, um, there's not a single instance in all of Scripture of any anybody ever invoking or in, inviting an angel into their life, ever trying to uh, be in relationship to an angel, right. ever trying to cooperate with an angel in their walk. Not a single time. Right. Now, the Bible says God sends ministering spirits. Yep. Right. But who's doing the sending? God. I'm not calling on them. Yeah. And if it's really an angel, I'm calling yeah, on them. Yeah, you're not calling any angels. Right. And and the angel should know its rightful place where it won't go unless God sends it. Mm-hmm. So if I'm calling on an angel and, and something shows up, it's not an angel. An angel's not going to disobey its, author- its own authority structure for my pitiful pr- idolatrous pr- prayer. So if, if it, something shows up and I'm trying to invite angels into my life, what is it that's showing up? How do I know it's not a masquerading spirit? You know, Satan can masquerade himself as an angel of light. Mm-hmm. There's a whole principality of angels of light. It's mm-hmm. not just one being, right? And so people are getting involved in trying to cooperate with angels. There's this guy, Joshua Mills, who talks about, um, you know, there's all these different realms. There's the ascension realms. There's realms of angelic encounter. And I was listening to this guy talk about how, like, there's angels turning doorknobs in his house and, and turning off lights in his house. And- oh, boy. I, I know that. Yeah, yeah, and, and those aren't those angels aren't the well, good angels. No, no, and here's <laughs> and, and, and here's the thing is the 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 guy who wrote the foreword for my for our book, Josh yes. Peck's my book. He's a Bible scholar, very very distinguished Bible scholar. Um, oh my god, he is. He's a, his name's Dr. Michael Heiser. Okay, and he just released a new book called Angels. And on my YouTube channel, I sat down with him and we did a whole video called Hypercharismania. Angels and false teaching. I need to watch this. Yes, where I sat down, sat down with him, and I explained to him everything I experienced. I'm asking him questions about what does the Bible really say about angels? Because you hear about certain services where angel wings just pop in to the natural and appear, and it's like it looks like a falcon wing or something. It's like a small thing. Angel wings are popping into the natural because there's the, the supernatural is just so present there. He's like angels don't have wings. He's like there's not a single text in all of Scripture saying that angels have wings. Now, seraphim have wings and cherubim have wings. Those aren't angels, right? There's different categories of the heavenly host. Angel is just one of like four or five spirit beings that are in heaven. He's like, as far as angels go, angels are commissioned by God. They have a very specific purpose. They show up for a short time. They deliver a message. What the, the word angel means messenger. So they go, they give a message, they leave. That's what happens every single time in Scripture. Every single encounter by an angel so, is a mess for messaging. So what are these guys saying that these angels, like, why would you want to hang out with angels? Or like, what, what, what's the purpose of it? One guy, it sounded like he was boasting in the fact that he hangs out with angels. Like and angels like, hang out in his room. Kind of thing. Like, you're not hanging out with the angels. Like, it's some kind of sign of, like, spiritual superiority. Um, another one was, I, I, I think that people, so we have to keep in mind, too, that sometimes these teachers are well-intentioned victims themselves. Yeah. Maybe all that's all they've known is this weird version of Christianity. Here's how I know this. So I I, I was in contact with someone who um, is in a circuit who people 
often associate with weird spiritual stuff, and I don't need to name drop and, and name churches and stuff, yeah. but there's a, a church that is known for being pretty suspect, and I, I've been in contact and uh, have been with, with a, a person who is a pastor there and still speaks there, and he's in this, he's in a circuit, a charismatic circuit, mm-hmm. And we ended up talking on FaceTime for six hours because he heard me name drop on YouTube and stuff. He's like, hey, I want to make myself available. You got any questions about these people? They're my, they're my buddies. You know, yeah. you got the, this, about the church. I'll answer questions for you. We had six hours to talk. This guy loves God. He loves the word of God. He's got a heart for evangelism, right? We have disagreements about things. There's things that I think are off base. He's like, sometimes, yeah, but sometimes no, right? Mm-hmm. And But the point is, is that he knew the individual who I was listening to who ended up I don't know, and I, I felt demon oppressed through his ministry. Mm-hmm. And he told him, I'm talking to a guy right now who who feels like he encountered something demonic through your ministry. This guy reaches out to me. He's like, hey, I'm so, so sorry. He's like, the fact that you encountered anything harmful or demonic coming through, yeah. through my teaching, he's like, I'm an open book. He's like, if there's anything you can tell me to help me in my walk with God, he's like, I'm still learning. If there's anything off in my theology, if there's anything off in my in my in my doctrine, here's my number call me anytime. Let's have a chat. Let's talk about it. He's like, if you ever want to hang out and meet in person, I'll, I'll fly you out to my, to my place. We can, we can hang out. And he's like, I appreciate your work. Love what you're doing. You know, you're the real deal. Thanks for your ministry. And I was, that softened my heart. It doesn't mean he's right. Yeah. doesn't mean that what he's doing is safe or teaching is safe. Right. But and neither, neither does it from, from the Bethel guy. Right. Mm-hmm. But there's a sincerity there and a, sometimes even a purity of intention. Now, so that's tricky because that means that sincerity in one's walk with God and purity of an intention that that still isn't safe necessarily, doesn't necessarily protect us from spiritual oppression, right? So what does? Our litmus litmus test is going to be the word of God. Right. That's going to be, are we emphasizing what Jesus emphasized in correct ratios? Are we emphasizing what Paul emphasized in correct ratios? You understand? Yeah. So Paul does say this. He does say be filled with the Spirit. And he does say earnestly desire the higher gifts. Those are two verses. How many verses does he talk about repentance? How many talks does he talk how many times does he talk about growing in righteousness? You know, read uh, Romans twelve, the true marks of a Christian, the end of uh, Romans twelve there. Um, how many verses about loving people, right? Growing in grace, right? Yep. Growing in godly character, godly characteristics, right? Being conformed to the image of Jesus, right? Um uh, a, a, a walk with God that issues from a purity of heart and a clean conscience, right? The, the teaching about the faith that corresponds with godliness, all these passages, right? So there's a few verses about the supernatural. There's hundreds about discipleship. And if people want to know, um, you know, it's not just a matter of looking at a verse or two to see, yeah, that's in the right context. It's overall, what are they emphasizing? Because you can make an idol out of anything. Right. You can make an idol out of the spiritual in the name of Jesus, as we've been yeah. talking about. Yep. And that's where everything will start to go haywire. Because what happens when your desire for that exceeds your desire to please Christ and be a faithful disciple to mm-hmm. Christ? God is under no obligation when you start sowing to the flesh in that area, right? Because flesh doesn't just mean natural. Sorcery is the work of the flesh. Galatians 5.19, sorcery is implicitly and definitionally supernatural. It's part of the flesh. But it's a work of the flesh nature, Yep. right? Mm -hmm. So the supernatural can be the desire for the supernatural that's also part of my flesh nature insofar as I want power. I want ability. I want to feel special and important because of what I'm packing, right? Mm -hmm. If you start seeking after that, that's where you can fall into problems as I did. And I went to one of these conferences myself. And, and, and okay, before yeah. you get to that conference, and, and a lot of people could, uh, 
once you start digging into the Word of God and, and seeing, and you're reading the gospel and you're seeing what these disciples and everyone's doing, and you're growing in your relationship with your God, with God, and you're seeing, wow, there's so much power in this relationship with God, then you're like, I want to go deeper. I want more. And then that's when it becomes an idol. Here's how you get more, though. Yeah. You don't get more through enacting your will and yelling louder. Yeah. You get more through surrender. More surrender. More power through surrender. The more you release yourself and your life, the more you release your right to yourself, your right to your thoughts, your right to your opinion, your right to your lifestyle. Mm -hmm. That's when you get more of God. It's not just fervency. Fervency plays a part, don't get me wrong, mm -hmm. right? Jesus gives the parable of the man who comes and asks for bread, and I'm not getting up to give you bread, but because he keeps asking, he's gonna give him bread, right? Fervency is important, but if you, start, if you start pursuing fervency without righteousness, if righteousness is not your foundation, the Bible says God gives the Holy Spirit to those who obey him. You want a greater measure of faith, it's not gonna be just works or just fervency. You gotta cover your bases. All these things make up a relationship with God, mm -hmm. right? If you're overemphasizing just works, you're going to have a dead faith. Yep. If you're oversizing, over, overemphasizing just the spiritual, you're going to have an unbalanced walk with God. And you can get into really weird, weird waters, as I did. So weird waters, now you're at this conference. Now I'm at this conference, and it's a conference where I wanted, it was basically to train people in the supernatural, in the gifts. And for me, I'm like, you know, I loved some of the speakers there and I just wanted to receive of the Lord. And in worship there, I'm like, everyone's sprawled out. People are a 1,000, 1,500 people all on their knees worshiping to some of my favorite worship songs. And I'm encountering the Lord powerfully. He's speaking to me. He's given me breakthrough and, and inner healing areas of my heart that have been broken. And I'm just encountering the Lord mightily, right? And he's doing that for my good in spite of what's going on there. Mm -hmm. God's not gonna fully disclose every single thing that's wrong with every church and every teacher to you as a new believer. He has other priorities. Yeah. He's going to develop you in your walk with him, and he's going to meet you there in spite of what's going on in that church. Yeah. Later on, he might give you that discernment, mm -hmm. right? But there's like, there's a reason why there's a lot of false churches or uh, suspect churches, but there's a lot of well-intentioned you know, young believers in there who are still receiving ministry. Right. When that discernment comes later on, you, you won't be able to stay in a church like that forever, yeah. 10, 15, 20 years. If you can, there's something wrong with your walk with God, but it's for a season. And, and in my season, I'm like, God, I'm so excited. I just want to encounter you, God, um, in the secret place. I want as much of you as I can get, right? And so it reached this point where at the end, they were doing a fire tunnel. Mm -hmm. where everyone's walking through and there's going to be people lined up on both sides. Well, was there weird stuff going on? I mean, sorry, was there weird stuff going on uh, during uh, worship? Yeah, uh, not, not, not during worship, but there was weird stuff. <laughs> what made me upset was this, is that we would go out onto the streets after and they would encourage us to go lay hands on people to, to pray for healing. Yeah. And everyone in there, they don't know the gospel. They don't know the basics of the Christian faith. Right. They don't know the essential tenets that have defined Christianity for the last 2,000 years. They don't know why they believe what they believe. They don't even know what they believe. Right. All they know is Jesus is great and I got to go lay hands on people so they get, so they're not sick anymore. And if I have enough faith, they tell me they'll get healed. It's like, is that it? Is mm -hmm. that, woe unto me if I don't preach the gospel. Mm -hmm. Train the people in the, in the gospel right? Mm -hmm. God's people perish for lack of knowledge. So anyway, so we're all going out there and they're training people in the supernatural, but there's no biblical substance. And so um, that bothered me. And there was one exercise they did where you're going to try and get prophetic words for one another. Basically, we're going to experiment and try and get words of knowledge for one another. Go find a partner, you know, d divvy up half and half on mm -hmm. each side of the room. And you're going to try and you're going to find someone and you're going to try and get a word of knowledge for each other.
and you're going to lay hands on each other and you're going to try and hear from God and you're going to wait to hear from God. And I had someone hear from God for me and I thought I heard from God from him. Mm-hmm. And I was like, wow, you know, that's, that's crazy. But that, that God honors faith without mm-hmm. faith. It's impossible to please God. Right. But me hearing from God there and God ministering to me, I had someone who didn't know me come up to me and say like, um, you're a, you're a, you're a powerful influencer and you have to be careful what you're doing in your private life, what you're listening to, what you're watching, because other people are going to see that and they're going to look to you as an example. And they're going to think if, if Steve's doing that, I can do that too. And I was like, wow, okay, great. And for him, I felt like, I don't know why this was coming to me. I was like, he's a father, 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 okay. He has children, okay, three-year-old son. Three, three, he has a son who's three years old. I'm not trying to think of anything. I'm just, I'm just trying to hear from God. Right. And he had a three-year-old son. And I was like, I didn't know what to do with it. I was just like, three-year-old son, three-year-old son. I didn't hear what God wanted me to say about it. Yeah. But so just because God is moving to you, moving and speaking to you in these conferences, it doesn't justify the teachers. It doesn't justify everything, right. right? It's a mix of both. Yeah. Satan wants a mix of both. If it was just darkness, it would look like the church of Satan and nobody would be, any Christian is going to stay away from that. It's, yeah. it's the subtle deception. Mm-hmm. That's where he leads people astray. It's a gradual process. And so time to receive an impartation of fire going through a fire tunnel. And you're going to have people laying hands on you to, to receive the baptism of fire. Mm-hmm. And I had someone lay their hands on my forehead to receive the baptism of fire. And I felt like this buzzing in my head, like I was going to pass out and I was woozy and I felt drunk and dizzy and people are getting carried off. Like they're like crippled and their eyes are squinted, like they're in pain. And this is apparently God. There's people that are meditating and people are like what? sprawled out everywhere. And people are like, there's one woman like shaking her head back and forth like crazy and it's not soundness of mind it's not the spirit of like i said my standard is a scripture right okay so compare the scripture to what what you just experienced in that thing right well if we if we read what the bible talks about um you know he will baptize you with the holy spirit and with fire i would encourage john the baptist says this in Mm -hmm. the book of john i would encourage people to go look at that context because then he talks about what jesus is going to do to uh his threshing floor and um, he likens those who are unsaved. He's going to separate the wheat from the chaff, mm-hmm. right? And the chaff, he's going to burn with unquenchable fire. Mm-hmm. And so there's two prominent understanding of, of what the baptiz- baptism of fire means. One is it's a baptism of judgment for unbelievers. Right. Yep. Um, the other one would be this is a baptism of fire that's referring to what happened to Pentecost where the spirit of God descended on people like flames of fire. Right. It doesn't say it was flames of fire like flames of fire, right? right? It's, a, it's a simile. Mm-hmm. And so those are the two primary understandings. Now there's a third understanding, which is that you have the Holy Spirit, but then there's some kind of substance of fire that's like a fourth Trinity component that God wants to give you himself, Jesus, the Spirit, and fire now. Yeah. And there's also another valid way, which the Bible says that, um, you know, fire is used kind of an analogy uh, or sorry, as a metaphor in the Old Testament for passion, passion for ministry, like you have a fire for God. Mm-hmm. But then there's this other thing, which is fire is a substance and you need the baptism of fire where it's going to make you freak out. It's going to make you crawl on the floor. It's going to make you scream and shout. It's going to make you roll. I've heard one person in this movement 
talk about how she was screaming because she thought she was going to die and she thought the lights above her were burning her and were going to scorch her huh. and she's rolling on the ground and her arms are flailing and she's been, she was doing this for like 30 minutes feeling like burning sensation and wow. th- that's, that's normal in these circuits and people think you know that's oh, it's just the baptism of fire God's doing a work it's the baptism of fire wow. God's doing a mighty work and you see it nowhere in the Bible no you see that nowhere in the Bible nowhere in church history um, nowhere in scripture and so what is this? Because they're using the name of Jesus, but there's something else getting mixed and in. we have five minutes left, so. Yeah. But keep going. Yeah. So to, <laughs> so to me, I think the best way to parse this is, yeah, let's look at the church in Corinth, right? They were accused of incorporating another spirit, even though they named the name of Christ, even though he affirmed some of them as being brothers. But people need to, I, the big thing that I learned is I need to be content with just Jesus. He's either the sole affection of my heart or he isn't, Right. It's, it, it's either Jesus or it's something else. Maybe it's a, a desire I have to be noticed or recognized. Maybe that's greater than Jesus. Yeah. Maybe my desire to have, you know, in this case, spiritual power, spiritual superiority over other Christians or over people in my life. Maybe that's my, the sole affection of my heart, right? And when we know when Jesus is the sole affection of our hearts, when obedience to him and honoring him with our lives, with our speech, Paul tells Timothy to be an example in purity and speech and in conduct so that we can represent him and be closer to him. And when that is our emphasis, that's when we know, that's when we know we're under the protective covering of the father. Mm-hmm. When our greatest thing, our greatest thing is to know God, to be known by God and to make him known, to please his heart. Right. If, I, if I'm trying to please the heart of the Lord in everything I do, whether I receive an experience from him or not, that goes a long way with him. Right. God, I'm going to honor you right now. I know I'm in a, a dry season. I know I might be struggling in some areas. Your word says this. So I'm going to try to apply this to my life, even if I don't feel like it. Why? Because you tell me to, to deny myself. And you say, whoever seeks to keep his life will lose. Whoever loses his life for my sake will fi- we'll find, it. find it. And you also yep. tell me, Lord, that unless I deny myself daily and take up my cross, I cannot be a disciple, right? Here's what, here's what a lot of you know, people in this circuit, Pentecostals, Charismatics will point to. The Bible says we overcome the devil by the word of our testimony. But what's the second part of that? It talks about those in the same verse, those who loved not their own lives, even unto death. Am I willing to surrender my whole life to please and honor Jesus? Or am I interested in using Jesus to get, get what, what I want, yeah. right? What you want. In which case, that's evidence you're Lord of your life. He's not Lord of your life yet. Anytime Man. that I need a reason to obey Jesus, it's evidence that I'm Lord and he's not. And if he's not, he's, he's under no obligation in his word to protect me if I'm going to allow myself to be self-deceived and chase after another spirit or chase after lust or chase after whatever it is, right? He's, he's going to protect us. He will. But... His grace is going to only protect us if we are not involved in willful sin, right? right? And if we're involved in unconscious sin, unintentional sin, if we're one of his, he'll eventually lead us out and draw us out. And that's where daily we have to keep asking him every day, just say, God, I don't have it figured out. I can't wrap my head around everything. I need you to reveal yourself to me. If I'm not in the right place, I always tell God, God, if I'm not doing the right thing, like shut it down, shut the doors. Like, just move me. Sometimes I can't figure it out because, you know, the human brain, you're trying to figure out all these different things where God wants you. But you got to ask him daily. And that's where you come to the cross daily. God, forgive me for my sins. I give my life to you. I want to please you only. And then everything will follow. Exactly. And I believe that um, 
you know, what people are really looking for is a spiritual experience with Christ. Yeah. That's what we're all looking for is mm-hmm. a spiritual relationship, right? Not just a one-off experience. We're looking for a, a satisfying relationship, mm-hmm. right? And Jesus offers that to us. He says that whoever believes in me, it is written, out of his belly will flow rivers of living water. There it is. Right? Jesus promises us that I'm going to satisfy you and you're going to be in relationship with me and you're made for that. We're made to be in relationship with God. That's where we're made to find our acceptance, our security, our love. I'm going to end it there. Awesome. Because this is the end of an amazing show. Awesome. Stephen Bancars, get the book. I'll talk to you guys next week. has been live with Ryan Reese. To connect or find out more about Ryan, click on ryan-reese.com. Check us out next Saturday at 9 p.m. for Live with Ryan Reese.